because he actually doesn't mean don't judge. He wants us to judge. It's how we judge that is important. You see, we should strive in our judgment to be helping our brothers and our sisters. Welcome to Rooted Together Podcast, a podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word together. Today we finish the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. As Jesus concludes his sermon, he issues some commands and displays who the wise are and the foolish are. You see, citizens of heaven guard their lives in how they help brothers and sisters approach the Father and bear fruit. And all of this is wrapped up and summed up in listening to Jesus's commands. So let's first look at what it means or what it looks like as citizens of the kingdom of heaven in helping others. So verses one through six is where we find this. And this is a very famous passage of scripture. This is the do not judge lest ye be judged for by the same measure you judge, you will be judged. And it continues on from there. It's often one of the most quoted from those who don't even go to church or even read the Bible. They can't find it, but they can quote it. And they like to quote it. We're going to see why that's not a good quote for them to quote. You see, we should strive, and this is what it means. This is the actual summation. We should strive to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is what Jesus is telling us to do as he tells us to not judge. Because he actually doesn't mean don't judge. He wants us to judge. It's how we judge that is important. You see, we should strive in our judgment to be helping our brothers and our sisters. It is one of the ways we show love to one another. When our brother errs, we correct him. Paul expounds on this in many different ways, this model of correction through the word of God and church discipline. And you can find that in many of his letters but that requires a judgment to be made. Jesus is not saying don't judge, and I know you take a very literal approach to this. It says, well, don't judge, but you have to take the whole of Jesus' sermon into account to understand his words. This is hyperbole. It would have caught people's attention. You see, not judging would leave the speck speck in the eye of our brother and sister and then move on. That's unloving. That would be highly unloving of us to leave a problem that a brother and sister have and leave them in that problem, uncaring, unmoving to to help them. Instead, though, Jesus is actually challenging us that if we truly love our brothers and our sisters and want to help them, first, we must judge rightly from God's standard and not our own. This would be where Jesus says, by the same measure you judge others, you will be measured. Well, what is that measure for the believer? It is the Bible. It is God's word. This is the measure that Jesus speaks of. The application is very simple. Take care of your log first and then, and there's the key word, then help your brother. The hypocrite only wants to help but never be helped. You see, what Jesus is arguing against is not people who cast any kind of judgment, but people who will judge, but if you judge them, they get all defensive. Jesus is wanting a community of believers who do help each other, but first they make sure that they are clean, and then they go and help their brother and their sister out. That is what Jesus is talking about in this very often misunderstood and misinterpreted passage of Scripture. It is about loving and helping our brothers and sisters through how we remove that speck 
And we do that by taking care of our log in our eye first and maybe even helping, having them help rather, them help us get the log out of our eye. You see, it's community effort. Well, we move on to the second part here as we really run through this chapter. I encourage you to go back and read it and meditate on it. But Jesus is instructing us in how we're also to approach God, and this is in verses 7 through 11, which makes me think of 7-Eleven, the convenience store, not related to this, though. We often have two faulty ways in which we approach God. You see, one way is we're afraid to approach Him at all, thinking He's uncaring, unloving, we shouldn't bother Him with this. And the second approach is like He's a limitless bank account or a genie, I'll take everything to God and demand He give me every want and love of my heart. Jesus says, in contrast, that the approach to the Father is to go to the Father and ask. He's good to answer because he's loving. This sounds a lot like number two, uh, but hang in there. The difference is in the analogy. You see, what is the son? Again, if you read, he talks about which of you would give your son who asked for bread a rock and a fish a snake, well, or a scorpion, depending on your translation. Well, bread and fish sustain life. God is good to give good things to sustain us to do his will. Now, I'm also drawing off of other passages about prayer here. You see, other prayer passages shed light on the meaning of this. We can't take this one passage in isolation to mean that God will give us every desire of our heart. He will give us the things in which we need to do his will. Matthew is encouraging his readers to run to the Father, for he is good. You see, they would have been afraid to approach God, and he is encouraging them to, no, approach God. He is a good, good Father who's caring and loving to his children. As we go to the last part here, bear fruit. Now, this section implores us, this is 12 through 23, it implores us to be unlike the world. Seek the narrow way and treat others the way you would want to be treated. That's the golden rule. That's connected to this idea of bearing fruit. This is countercultural, however. The world bears bad fruit. The world cares for itself first and others later. The world takes the wide and the, the wide way, which is easy, and many go on it to destruction, whereas the narrow way leads to Jesus. The narrow way is the hard way. Following Jesus is not meant to be easy because it goes against the grain of the world. It's countercultural. We are called to not bear bad fruit, but to bear good fruit. And Jesus goes on to say, judge people by their fruit, which is why in the first part of this chapter, you can't say we can't judge at all. He's telling you directly, you can judge people by their fruit. You will know them if they're a false prophet by the fruit in which they bear. The fruit you bear is telling to whom you belong to. Bear good fruit of righteousness and we know you belong to the Father. This manifests itself in how we treat others. Do you treat others the way you would want to be treated? Do you treat others by taking care of your problems first and then helping them with their problems? Are you loving? Do you reach out and help a brother or sister in need, or do you leave them uncaringly in their woes? This is further visible by our obedience to God's law. You see, our obedience to God and his word is our fruit. So notice, uh, and perhaps what I would determine as the scariest passage of scripture ever, 
And and I want to read that passage because it is frightening to me, and it should be frightening to all of us to some degree. It should cause us to evaluate our lives often. He says in verse uh, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Again, that is how you know that you have borne good fruit. He says, on that day, what day? The day in which God judges all people. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy or proclaim your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? And did we not do many miracles in your name? And you would think, yes, these people have made it. They've done all these things. They've probably done more than I have to some degree. And yet Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. You lawbreakers, you who practice lawlessness. You see, the reason that's fearful is these people outwardly on the surface look like they have done many things for God. They have proclaimed his name. They have done miracles, cast out demons, and perhaps even successfully so. And yet Jesus says, I don't know you. And we have to ask, why doesn't he know them? Because they practice lawlessness. You see, doing God's will, practicing lawfulness practicing in righteousness is by is the way we are known by god that is the fruit that we bear and jesus says you'll know someone by their fruit their fruit was lawlessness therefore he does not know them and they are cast out and that's frightening because even though they've done some things good in their hearts they have rebelled against him they have failed to make him their king jesus must be our king They did some good things, sure, but ultimately they failed to submit to Jesus as true king. Brothers and sisters, if this is you, repent today and follow Jesus. So as we wrap this up, you're like, whoa, there's one little story you forgot. That's actually the summation to his whole sermon. He ends his sermon with an illustration, an analogy, or a parable, if you will. Actually, it is a parable. Uh, And he ends it, and that, that parable wraps up all that he has taught in all three of these chapters. As he concludes his sermon, he says this, the wise man builds his life on the rock that is Jesus. He's saying, on the rock that is my words. How, how, do, how are you wise? Because you build your life on the words that I proclaim to you. You do them. You act on them. You don't simply hear them passively. You hear them and it takes root in your life and displays through the fruit of obedience. And it's essential because the wise man does this, whereas the foolish man builds his life on what? The sinking sand of this earth. And when trials come and when the end comes, when judgment arrives, That man will be foolish who builds his life on this world, who hears but does not do. There is a call through the scriptures for believers to act on the words of Jesus. You can't simply show up to church on Sunday, hear a great message, go to Sunday school, go in church every time the doors are open and think that you are a follower of Jesus. Jesus says you were only hearing the words, but outside of church, your life looks like you've never been to a church. Jesus would say to you, depart from me. I never knew you who practice those, those of you who practice lawlessness. Instead, obey Christ in your everyday life. Let it bear good fruit. Examine the fruit of your life. You see, through obedience to God's teaching, Be wise. Don't just hear. 
but put into practice the things that are in this great sermon and how you love people and how you go and you help people and how you pray and how you fast, whether it be in how you act and your standard of moral goodness. We talked about that in chapter 5. Remember the Beatitudes. All of those things are wrapped up. Do we merely hear them? Or do we hear them and do them? Brothers and sisters, go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. Meditate on it and ask God, am I doing these things? Are these fruit in my life? Go and be wise. Build your life on the words of Jesus. Thank you for joining me in Matthew chapter 7. I look forward to seeing you next time. I'll see you there.